Hi, you guys. This is Richard Sachs. You're back on Lost Arts Radio. Thanks for coming over. And uh, we've got an old friend of ours who's come back for our show for something that you'll enjoy, I'm sure, is Gareth Ike from the UK. And he's got a new show that we want to talk about called Right Now and a bunch of other things. There's some stuff going on in the world that you might have known that's uh, kind of important at the moment. And um, Gareth, I'm really glad you're here. I've got an idea where we could start. So thanks for coming over. No, thanks for having me. Um, what I thought we'd do, it's just a little imaginary exercise in the beginning. Imagine that you were here just briefly from some other place, other realm, other planet, other dimension, where things are kind of normal, and you're visiting here, and you're taking on this form as a costume, and you're getting to talk to the other inhabitants here who don't know their from where you're from and they're walking around in costumes too thinking that's who they are and busy fighting um you know you can only stay for a little while what would you tell them for maximum benefit i actually feel like that probably is exactly what's happening anyway yeah it's not Um, really make believe i'm just making believe it's make believe yeah that's a very good question what would i say to them um you don't know how long you've got but you're you're on the air for the world now to, to to try and remember, I suppose. Um, I, I wouldn't know what kind of form that would take, but to try and remember um, exactly what, what you are as opposed to um, what you believe you are at the moment, um, that we chose to be here for this point in time um, to make a difference, to do something good, um, and that actually when all the, the, the days feel negative, which they do at times, certainly at the moment, that to remember that you chose this and this was, this was something that you felt you needed to do and you felt you could do, you felt that you could achieve and you could make a difference. Yeah. Um, cause I find that sort of, that sort of mindset sort of gets me through days where I'm not feeling particularly great to be honest is is that actually this was a decision that i made to do this and i wouldn't have made a decision to come here um uh, if i believed that we were going to lose because i hate losing i know um and i kind of i might have done it on the show before so forgive me if i have but I, i kind of put things into a football analogy quite a lot and i think um if you could get one game for England playing football and you could choose everything that happened in that game, every parameter, every, everything, every single thing, you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't choose an eight, one win against Trinidad and Tobago. You would choose Germany world cup final two nil down. Um, you come back to two or they score a late goal. You equalize, it goes to extra time, you know, all this crazy stuff that you think, why don't you just win five nil? It's got to be easier, but we create that because it takes us on a journey that we need to evolve. Um, and I believe that's what we're doing right now. So it's a lot that you learn during a game like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And actually, I know like people might think that sort of football or, or soccer is kind of silly, but actually, I remember having this conversation with my dad a few times. Football is very much like life. Like, life plays out like a game of football in right. terms of highs and lows, and some things are not fair, you know? Some sometimes you get a penalty given against you where you didn't even touch the guy he dived. You know, where's the justice? Right. Um, you know, it's very much like that. But you have to get on and and you know pick yourself up and pull your socks up and get on with it. Um, and and sometimes in life you'll get a penalty when you didn't deserve it. And it's just that's just kind of how life is. It plays out like a roller coaster, like a a game of football. Exactly. So you mentioned in the beginning that you would use the time to do something good. What's good? Uh, something to, to 
that's bigger than yourself to help others that um, are, are not in a position to do that. And I, that doesn't necessarily mean like chucking some money to a guy on the street, but to kind of take whatever skills you have, because um, I believe that we all have different skills. We all have things that we're great at and things that we're yeah. pretty dread, dreadful at and kind of work as almost one unit to, to better everyone's lives. Um, right. which I don't, I don't think is that kind of difficult a concept really. I don't think it would be that difficult to do that. Um, you know, I know, uh, the governments around the world don't like that when you have communities that do that. There's a few in, in England at the moment, um, that do that where they look after each other. So there's no money changes hands or anything like that, but they, they, you know, you might have a plumber in the village and then you might have a masseuse in the village and there's a guy that grows veg and there's a, you know, and everyone just does their bit and, and right. they kind of work to better each other. Um, I think that would be a better world for sure. So there's a lot of misunderstandings in this place you're visiting right now. And one of them is that some of these people playing these characters, forgetting the actor, thinking that they're the character and they think, Oh, the way to get ahead is to put other people down and get beyond them and climb on them, you know, and some of the ones at at the top have a different misunderstanding that it's actually empowering to hurt people. And and they sincerely think that everybody's trying to feel better. They just got confused and they're trying to do it that way. They're what's called bad guys. I think it's easier to do it that way, isn't it? It's probably easier and quicker to drag someone down to your level than it is to try and yeah. raise yourself to theirs. Yeah. So if, if they were listening to you and you wanted to explain to them why that might be a mistake, what do you think you would say? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in karma for a start. I believe right. that, that everything happens for a reason, good and bad. And that actually, you know, your actions have consequences, even if they're not necessarily immediate. Um, but also on the other side of that, like I've over the years of playing football and, and touring in bands and do, doing stuff like that, I've I've met quite a lot of successful people. What you would perceive to be successful, very wealthy, you know, big house, lots of cars. Right. And I've never met a happy one ever in my life. I've never met one. That's Isn't happy. that interesting? Because that's what they think is going to be like. That's that's the ultimate happiness. Yeah, more but, success I, than everybody else. That's it. But that's the thing, you see, at the moment, we can, as not wealthy people, we can believe that I'll be a tomorrow man. So tomorrow will be better. I'll have more money tomorrow. If I get that job that I'm going for, that will sort my problems out um, because then I'll get the car I want and the house I want and I can get that girl that isn't looking at me twice, but she will if I've got some money. Yeah, and then what happens? Right. So at the moment, we can have that, not that I imagine other women, but <laughs> I'm married, but you can have that imagination. Um, and so that kind of somewhere over the rainbow thing gives you hope and it kind right. of, Whereas if you've got all that and you're still not happy, where do you go from there? Yeah, a lot of them after that point do suicide as the next option. But you, Yeah, you, you, you do get a lot of that. Yeah, but like I say, I mean, there'll be obviously exceptions to that. There's probably lots of wealthy people out there that are living the life of Riley. But in my experience, they tend to be pretty miserable people, really. Yeah, so they can change, right? Even at that point. Absolutely. Try something different. Yeah, absolutely. Climb a mountain. Swim a lake. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you mentioned something interesting about karma, which is cause and effect on this place. It seems to control everything. The time factor. Because people say, well, there's people getting away with all kinds of stuff. And that's not actually true. 
But to see that it's not true, you need that understanding of the time factor. Yeah. And I think also it's, it's having the understanding that because something bad happens to you doesn't mean necessarily that something bad has happened to you. Um, for instance, right. probably one of the best things that ever happened in my life was I, I broke my tib and fib um, to the point where my leg was basically flapping around in the wind right. um, and playing football. And so my football um, career was over. I couldn't play anymore and all that sort of stuff. And went through all the emotions of woe is me, through all the others, which was, you know, anger, because the guy did it on purpose. He went through me. So it's like, right, I'm going to, when I get my legs back, I'm going to go for him, all that sort of nonsense. And then you have this kind of depressed side where it was like, this is my fault. This is a, this is a karmic thing because I'm a bad person. So that's what happened to me. And then at mm-hmm. the end of it, I came with actually like bad thing happened sometimes. That's fine. I'm a decent human being. I'm trying my best and I'm going to go onwards and upwards from here. Right. And my life has been so much better since then. Um, and it's, you know, my dad always says the best thing that ever happened was it broke your legs. Like, yeah, it, it, uh, but, um, but yeah. And so at the time I thought what a horrendous thing to happen. Whereas I look back now, I mean, that was, that was 10 years ago this week, I think. Yeah. Wow, February. Wow. Um, I look back at that now and I think that was amazing. That was amazing. Cause it's, it, it triggered everything that went on from there. My, my wife, two children leaving the Isle of Wight where I was living, going nowhere to become up to Derbyshire, new friendship groups, new opportunities. Then it all came from some scallywag, two foot in me, because I just scored a goal and he didn't like it. And he didn't even realize he was helping you, probably. No, no, not at all. He, he you know, he, he probably thought he'd really shown me. And um, I guess he did, in a way, actually. So is anything happening with music in your sphere of existence right now? I haven't been doing anything to be honest with you, absolutely anything. I, I started when this whole kind of COVID nonsense started, I, yeah. I did a cup, I did a couple of online gigs, which I hated, but all my friends were doing them and they're like, get on and do it. You know, these streams. And so I did a couple cause try everything twice. And I hated right. it. It didn't work for me. Um, not being, what, what, it, what was it that you tried? Um, just doing live streams gigs. Um, so obviously all the venues were closed and it was like, I'm just not getting anything from the audience because there is no audience. Right. Um, I'm just sat like this. I mean, this is different. I'm having a conversation with you guys. So it's coming back and forth. Whereas if I'm just yeah. sat here singing at you and I'm looking at myself, it's like, this is just weird. I don't get a, you know, a vibe from this. I don't get the enjoyment from it. So were, I, there, I were there a group of you in one physical place doing this online? No, I was just in my house doing it. So just, that's by, thing. just by yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it really was not not great fun, really. And then since then, kind of everything else has sort of taken over. Um, I live in a terraced house with two young kids now, and so yeah. playing guitar is probably out the window in terms of the noise and annoying people. So right. I've sort of put it on the back burner for a bit while I, um, you know, concentrate on doing right now and and things like that, and right. try trying to you know get as much information out to people as possible, so, so that how- we can kind of be done with this nonsense. How did right now start? What's the idea behind that? Well, I was doing podcasts and anyway, and they were kind of like an hour long generally, um, which was fine. Um, But, you know, people don't necessarily have an hour to sit and listen to an entire subject. Um, And the mainstream media were, were doing their, you know, their snippets. They were getting to the, to the, you know, talking nonsense most of the time. Yeah. You know, little 10 minute interviews, if that, um, covering a range of subjects, keeping people engaged and interested so that they can then maybe go away and, you know, um, investigate certain subjects more if, if there's mm. of interest to them. Um, but we just basically looked at it and just thought, you know, 
the the mainstream media have this wonderful looking studio generally um yeah the, the sound the quality everything's fantastic and then the alternative is in a position where they're making zoom calls basically and it's like even though with right now a lot of the interviews are video calls because they're with people all over the world it's like how can we polish this you know how yeah. can we um just make it more palatable really to people that they'll take you seriously almost you know okay all right. of a sudden you, you, it's not oh where'd you watch that youtube yeah all right you know that sort of thing it's um, yeah it's it's more kind of trying to not compete with them because i can't be doing with them but but to at least take you to the same standard um of production as them um right. in the in the hope that that would attract you know bigger guests um that it would you know make people at least sort of sit down and take you seriously um and that's what's happened like the amount of times that we've had doctors coming on from from the states people like dr peter mcculloch come on and his first reaction was he sit down come in the the vmix call so it opens so he can see the studio and the reactions are oh wow you know and it's like all of a sudden yeah this this is you know we're we're trying to make a difference we're trying to take it seriously and um and uh, you know it seems to be going well at the moment people um seem to be kind of responding quite well to it neat where is the studio um it's in derby um which is basically if you got a map of england and you stuck your finger in the most central point you would hit that okay um yeah our studios overlook the bbc actually which is quite amusing um huh. it, it wasn't a intentional thing it was just a turn of fate that these um these office blocks came up um, and available and, and available to be converted into studios, which is often a problem because they don't really want you knocking walls down. <laughs> sure. Um, and so, yeah, so we overlook the BBC and they overlook us and it's kind of quite fitting really. Wow. So you're talking about a lot of people don't have an hour. What, what's the length of most of your shows now? Well, the show's an hour, but, but each guest is around about 10, 12 minutes. So it's a it's, sequence of different people. Yeah, so you can cover um, a range of subjects, but as often happens, you know, like everything's connected. So, you know, you can have uh, a guest on talking about the, you know, the, the COVID stuff. Um, you can have someone on talking about the climate change situation and you've got someone else uh, talking about the war, you know, Russia and Ukraine or whatever. But actually the three of them are all kind of combined yeah. in, in the same way. Um, so the show kind of flows a bit and, um, and a lot of what we've been trying to do is is talk to people that the the mainstream won't touch. So here in the, I don't know if it's the same in America, but here in the UK, they will have some people on um, the mainstream if they're you know anti lockdown and and maybe anti jab mandates. They won't have any anti vaxxers, but they'll have some anti jab mandate people on there. Okay. They'll, but they only have famous people um, that are maybe famous for being a TV presenter or a footballer or something mm -hmm. like that and get right. them to comment. They, they will very rarely get uh, a scientist or yeah. a doctor because they'll be taken seriously. Um, and also they, they won't, they absolutely won't touch people that have say had a vaccine injury or have a vaccine injury child. You know, they, the mainstream won't touch them. Um, right. and, and so they're the kind of people that, that we get on. Cause it's like, if you're going to have informed consent, then you need to know what can happen. Um, and, and, and if you choose then to go and do it, then at least you're aware. Right. I don't think most people even know what informed consent means. No, I don't either. I think it's become almost like, you know, a, a sort of nasty term now. That's the essence of health freedom, really. So why don't you tell people what it means? 
Well, you just need to be aware of every upside and every downside. Um, and then you make your decision based on that, not based on coercion, not based right. on you're going to lose your job if you don't do this. Because this is the thing. It's like, well, you're free not to get it. It's like, well, not really, because if you've got a mortgage to pay and you've got children to feed and you've got a job and you get sacked tomorrow if you don't have it, it's not really you're free not to have it. I mean, you can stand right. up and fight, but... um and as it's happened in England, if you stand up and fight, you can win because they've just U-turned on the NHS jab mandates because over 100,000 NHS workers refused um, and went and threw their uniforms at the at, uh, the prime minister's house. And right. so that's what happens when you stand up. It's great. So he got more open-minded overnight. I think he basically just thought, I can't win this. Simple as that. What do you, what do you think happened to him when he went in the hospital? Because before that, he was kind of almost normal. You know, he was talking about freedom and individual rights and it, people were supporting him as a really great leader. And then he went in the hospital and came out with a personality transplant, it seems. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even convinced it's the same person. I, I, I'm, I'm that far down the rabbit hole now. I think you yeah. know, Saddam Hussein had eight body doubles. It would like nothing yeah. would shock me anymore. Um, but I think, you know, there's also a part of, of it where you've got... We ever into Bill Hicks, the comedian? Because right. there's, there's a Bill Hicks sketch where he's saying, basically, it doesn't matter um, what you say on the campaign trail if you want to be a, a president. As soon as you get in office, you will sit down and they will sit you in a dark room with all these great industrialists and whatever, and they will show yeah. you a film yeah, of the Kennedy assassination from a different angle, just right. to let you know what happens if you step out of line. Yeah. And, this would um, be really too bad if anything like that ever happened to you, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, he went into hospital and, I don't know, maybe maybe someone had a word in his shell. Because, because you're I mean, right, he, he came out a different guy, you're right. Yeah. I mean, you remember Jesse Ventura uh, was elected and the powers that be didn't expect it in Minnesota, I think, as a governor, an independent. And he, he was saying publicly what happened is he was taken to a meeting in this place in the basement of the uh, government building there. And there was a whole group of people with him, just like you're talking about, all with suits and dark glasses, even though it wasn't sunny in the basement. And they said, um, these are the things you're allowed to do. These are the things you're not allowed to do and other details of what would happen, I guess. And he was talking about that openly. Yeah. People, people think, you know, people sat down watching TV at home think that this kind of stuff is too fantastic, that it, it sounds like something from a, a, a movie script, but this stuff goes on, you know, yeah. absolutely it does. So that could have happened to Johnson. He's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a very strange character, but I think with, with the mandates, they, they basically didn't have, the uh, public opinion. They didn't have the support for it. Um, and so they wanted to lock down over Christmas. They wanted to lock down over new year. Yeah. And so they realized that actually the public here, I mean, I'm, I've never been so proud to be English, to be honest, because when I look around the world, how much people are, are just bowing down to this and the English said no chance. I mean, the Welsh have bowed down, the Scots have bowed down. They, they all have. It's only the English really. Um, yeah. Uh, just saying, you know, no more, but, but they, Basically, the attitude of most people in England, there's a handful of people that are terrified of their own shadows, but of most people was like, well, you can lock us down if you want, but it's not happening, like, no chance. And so what was happening is the government were then doing 
so much polling it was insane you couldn't you couldn't move for all the polls that were in um in the media and that were all over social media the government was just polling and polling and polling trying to find out public opinion like can we get away with this and they realized they couldn't so they didn't lock down and and so everyone had a great christmas and a great new year and because obviously as far as they're concerned if they if they tell us to lock down and we don't we just refuse they've got no they've got nowhere to go from there it's over the the dynamic is shifted and they would look bad. Yeah. And so then if they go, Oh no, 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 don't worry about it. We'll let you have it. We'll let you have it. And it's almost like, well, did you let us have it? Or were we going to have it anyway? You know, but at least by saying they're letting us have it, they kind of, they've still got that sort of perceived element of power, um, which, which they certainly wouldn't have had if they'd have tried to lock people down because no one. So you're saying they're trying to get away with it. And what it brings up that I think is hard for people to grasp who are these people that they would even want to do that to everybody? I mean, there there seems to be a goal from the beginning to absolutely destroy economies the world over. Yeah. Um, Coordinated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, country after country, everyone responded the same way, you know, pretty much a couple of exceptions, maybe Sweden. Yeah. They said, there are some African leaders that said, wait a minute. If, if a pawpaw is testing positive for coronavirus, that might mean that there's something not right with it. And those guys got assassinated generally. Yeah. The other one yeah. said the same thing. Yeah. Well, he, he, it was, um, yeah, Tanzania president, he dies right, and, then, right. and then was replaced by, um, by a lady, forget her name, but she's um, uh, from the World Economic Forum. Obviously. She decided everything is terrifying and everything should be locked down. Yeah, reversed everything that he'd done. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny throughout all of this, whenever I see someone say something, you know, like a, a mainstream media bubblehead or, or a, you know, an expert, whatever that means, or a scientist, uh-huh. you know, eminent psychologist. I don't know why they're involved in everything, but um, I'll put that. I'll take, okay, who said that? Right. Dave Jones. All right. So put Dave Jones, Bill Gates, 99% of the time it will come up connection, some kind of funding. But if it doesn't, yeah, okay, fine. I'll put Dave Jones, World Economic Forum, bang, there we go. And it is, honestly, it's every single time without fail. The uh, same thing happened with Trump in the U.S. In the beginning, he wanted a commission with Robert Kennedy to investigate vaccine safety, which doesn't exist, of course. And I think he was sincere. And then at his inauguration in 2016, he took a million dollars from Pfizer according to the documents that Kennedy found. And after that, he handed the country over to a mass murder. Other than that, he was doing great. Yeah. So Pfizer knew what was coming. Yeah. 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 It's been planned for a long time. Absolutely. I mean, I saw some, some people were kind of trying to work out how long it would take um, to produce the number of vials that have apparently been dished out all over the world. And it's, it's, it's insane. It's yeah, insane. That's a big how, project. Yeah. How would you <laughs> even begin to even be able to administer the numbers that they've administered to be able to produce that number and to, and to be able to ship that number? No chance. Unless it's well, just sat there. It, it, a lot of pre-planning and coordination, you know, long before it actually started. Oh, yeah. So yeah. What, since you're talking about rabbit holes – after looking at this for a long time, what do you? Th- who do you think these people are, and what do you think they're after? 
Um, I think they're after everything, if I'm honest, the complete control um, and destruction of humanity as we know it. Um, yeah. Starting with, you know, the, the kind of on, on the sort of surface level. So your social credit system, um, you know, your mandatory vaccinations with goodness knows what kind of nonsense in it um, and a completely obedient society um, with a much smaller population, which is what a lot of this culling is about, I think. Um, but then beyond that, um, you know, you're then going into the whole AI um, spectrum. The fact that, you know, Elon Musk, who's supposed to be good cop in all of this, is smashing up, you know, or thousands and thousands of satellites to beam down yeah. Wi-Fi, 5G onto onto That doesn't sound like a very planet. good cop. It doesn't, does it? It doesn't sound no. like a great cop. And so I just think, you know, absolute ultimate control of, of, of the population is the goal. Um, and to kind of just strip people's humanity away, which I've sadly witnessed a bit over the last two years, you know. People would have been doing things like I saw a video yesterday of a lady who tried to take her three-year-old and one-year-old um, to hospital because they'd had an accident. Three-year-old mm-hmm. had they, they thought she'd broken her arm, and, and the one-year-old had, had damaged her back. So they turned up oh. at a hospital in Australia and get to fill in this thing on the iPad in the emergency room. And they asked the mother, "Was she vaccinated?" She said no, and they said, "Why? Have you got a valid reason?" She was like, "No, it's just choice." And then the security guard comes over and says, "You have to leave." So. But so what kind of humanity is within that security wow. guard? Wow. Is, you know, just following orders. What? Yeah, I was just going to bring that phrase up because you've got those who are giving the orders. Actually, you've got levels and levels and levels. And all the levels are following somebody's orders right up to the top, which I think, you know, we can compete for rabbit hole uh, experience. But I think at the top, it's not human. And which you would probably agree with. And and it seems to me that what they're after, it's obviously step by step because they have the technology to kill everybody right overnight if they wanted to. And they're not doing that, but it's moving in that direction. And it looks to me, I think it's a ceremonial sacrifice that is intended to eliminate the entire biosphere, including the perpetrators. I think it's a suicide mission because what they're doing is clearly not leaving the environment intact for a remnant. They're wiping it out, including the species of animals and bacteria and destroying the gene pool with a GMO, everything. And I don't think they plan to stay here. I think at the top, they plan to get the reward somewhere else. And which is, you know, maybe merging with some kind of dark power that they're serving. And below that, they don't know that it, that that's the goal. And they think they're going to be left as the remnant to get the world as their playground. But I don't think it's correct. But everybody, all the way up to the top humans, is following orders. So it's like this huge sequence of orders coming down. Yeah. I don't know. Does that sound believable? Yeah, no, no, it does, yeah. Uh, but also, I, I would you know, suggest that if you are talking about something that is, is you know, a non-human force then you know changing the way that the world is in terms of um, an ecosystem might be for their own benefit well if they were physical i think that's true i i'm just seeing it as in a completely different dimension that doesn't plan to come here but i don't know i mean we're going to find out hopefully we won't find out actually it'll be turned around but i sincerely believe it will be yeah I sincerely believe it will be um because like you say if they could they could just do it tomorrow 
if they wanted to, you know, yeah. it, it feels very much like they need, they need the consent. They need people to, to uh, agree to it. You know, I think like, they're also following a protocol because if it is a sacrifice in a religious sense, you have to do everything exactly right or your God that you're serving is not pleased. And that takes time and notices and consent, like you said, and all that, which they're doing. And then the humans that are actually walking around in these costumes that have much more power than the darkness. The whole game is to try to keep us unconscious of that until they're done. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bug's life or ants, you know, those films where, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. If they ever realize how much they outnumber us, you know, there goes our way of life. And it's true. Definitely. And I think that there is a shift in consciousness now and what what the whole kind of for all the negative with all the kind of COVID era has done is it's it's opened a lot of people up more to the idea that something else is possible um and i think that's that's huge like i remember seeing a meme quite near the beginning of this where it's just someone driving so it's uh, someone's view out the front of the car and there's just a cow flying and it says, you know, I, I was going to wonder what was happening, but it's 2020, so it's just normal. Like, just people are just kind of accepting a little uh-huh. bit and right. that, that actually maybe the world isn't exactly how they think it is, and actually maybe there is more to know. Um, and so then people will then be, I believe, open to more stuff that two years ago they'd have just laughed at you. What's the difference between somebody following orders without even thinking about it, without questioning it, and somebody who says, no, I can't do that. That would be against, you know, everything that matters. I mean, what what's the difference? Because you brought up Australia, where these people weren't allowed into the hospital, right? There's so many police following orders to beat those people up. And what's what's the psychology of that? Uh, well, there you go. A, a mass psychosis. I mean, at the end of this, I mean, you, you would the amount of money you could get from being a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, because the amount of people that are going to be shot away. Um, I, I feel like people are under some kind of, you know, uh, almost like a mental illness, like a spell. I think so. Put on people, you know, um, and I see how people react. I mean, I think I remember mentioning this to you guys before, but quite early on in this, I was walking out. And so my, my daughter would have been not even two at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm holding her in my arms, walking down the pavement and a guy probably about a similar age to me, stepped out into the road while holding his kid, similar age, rather yeah. than me rather than me walk past him. And I just remember stopping and just looking at him like, you've stepped out into traffic. And it's a busy road. You've stepped out into traffic rather than go near like Was this because you weren't wearing a mask or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he 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 wasn't either. To be honest, the kind of mask wearing outside thing is not really a thing in, in England. Okay. It, it never really has been. So what made him afraid to step away? It, well, exactly. What's he, what's he frightened of? Is he frightened of, I think he's, he's more frightened of me breathing on him than he is a, you know, I don't know, Ford Escort. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's just, right, right. And it's like, but that's insanity for you to, to just go, I, don't, I can't go near another human, so I'm going to step out in the road with a kid. In, and I just, I thought at the time, like, you're, you're not right. Like, but then what happened then a little bit further down the line is my, my car failed its MOT. So you go in, 
and they check your car over, make sure it's safe. And if it needs anything doing, obviously, then, you know, to be roadworthy. So I needed, right. I, think was, I think it was two new tires I needed. They'd, they'd fallen a little bit below the thread. So, okay. Uh, tread. So I was like, okay, yeah, fine. So I'm sat there in the waiting room. There's no one else around. And they've got BBC News 24 on. And after about 10 minutes, because I don't watch it, I don't have a TV license, don't have any of that nonsense. I kind of yeah. sat there and I watched it for about 10 minutes. And I was like, do you know what? No wonder everyone's crazy. Uh, n- because it's just churning it out. Just fear, death, new cases, variants, you know. Right, just, right. It's like you, you would think that, you, you know, you're in the blitz. And then you look out and, you know, it's totally normal, you know. It's almost like a, it feels like a war of the world, you know, where it's on the radio. And so you think, think of piles of bodies outside the window and everything. Yeah, but, that, but that's, you know, that's the impression that they give you. Hospitals are overrun. Oh, my goodness me. Um, you know, there's bodies in the corridors. And it's like, no, there's yeah. no They said that in the U.S. too, in the beginning. They said, and they showed the hospitals were just overflowing and lines of people who couldn't get in. And all. Then, then somebody went with a cell phone camera and started talking to the people in the lines, and they were all acting. They were employees that were asked to come out and make believe they were patients. Yeah. And the people inside those hospitals at that time were dancing. I mean, not, not patient. They didn't have patients, but they had doctors and nurses. And they were figuring out these new kinds of dances that took a lot of work to put together because yeah. they had so much time on their hands. It was insane. I remember like when, when they were being shared all over social media and and people are going hang on a minute like these hospitals are supposed to be overrun to the point where we've got to stay in our houses Not yeah they did but we've got to stay in our houses people are losing their livelihoods people aren't seeing their relatives uh you know people aren't being able to go and see their relatives on their deathbeds they're not getting to say goodbye because right. the hospitals are overrun but these nurses are doing these like you say these tiktok videos these dance routines like hang on yeah and yeah some people were replying saying but they're so overrun they need to be allowed to 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 unwind and chill out and it's like <laughs> right oh my oh my goodness me like, yeah, that you're under. They can't imagine that there's this much coordinated uh, deception. Going no, on. they can't. They can't. But also, what I, I learned w- was happening was that the kind of the NHS was compartmentalized in the sense that I kept because I've got friends that are nurses, um, and I kept seeing on social media uh, lines like, "We've been lucky at our place." Yeah, we've been lucky at our place. And then other people go, "Yeah, yeah, no, we've been lucky at our place as well." So their perception is, even though they're in an empty hospital. Yeah, um, that actually everyone else is full, but we've been lucky where we are. And some of them were major cities, major right. hospitals. And and so I'm thinking, so that, so that's what they're being told. That's what the nurses are being told. Right. And, um, and so something went around social media quite early on um, in England, and it was that ambulances were going out early on when the when the lockdown first happened in March 20. Yeah, yeah. They were going around with the sirens on, no one in them. Uh-huh. They were going around with the sirens on to create a fear. The, right. so people would stay inside so it would feel like oh my god this is, this is the third ambulance there wasn't even time to pick up all the dead people and all that yeah stuff. exactly so yeah. so i kind of found that one a little bit hard to believe in a sense because i was just thinking would they really do that though because you, you know you'd have to be up would they would they really do that and then um a friend of mine's a, a fireman and he um was doing he, he's a, a like a chippy as well so he came and helped us right. out with, with uh, refurbishing the kitchen and stuff yeah and so i said i said to him we were chatting and i said oh do you remember early doors in this when um, there was all that chat going around, you know, about going out and putting signs on? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they were doing that. And it's like, why? And the, the thing, the, the fact was, they were saying to the paramedics, we're lucky here. 
So what we need is we need to keep everyone indoors. And if they don't think there's a threat, then they won't stay indoors. They'll come out and think everything's fine. So we okay. need you to go out to make them. So wow. actually these paramedics would then go, I'm actually doing people a favor. I'm right. actually saving lives by doing it. So actually right. it's, it's a con, but they're made to believe that they're actually doing it for, you know, for good intentions, actually. You wow. Know, wow. And, and you're like, man, what a scam this whole thing is. Incredible. And it's been built up for a long time. Uh, you mentioned some of the doctors coming on your show on right now. Some of those really great doctors who are brave enough to talk against the, you know, against the scam. Still, there are parts of it they can't grasp. A lot of those doctors think vaccines are wonderful. But this one is really questionable. This one, there was a mistake and it went bad. But all the others are really good. And many of those top-level good doctors think that. They can't grab. I don't know if you've run into that. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's very much, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, I'm just anti-this-vax. Exactly, and they're really careful to bring that up because being against vaccines is anti-science. Yeah, it's, it's the thing you can't touch. You know, there's right. a few things you can't touch in terms of debate and questioning and that's absolutely one of them um you know you will be shot down in in seconds yeah i don't think they're ready psychologically to imagine that that could be the case they're they're busy and they haven't taken the time to really investigate this injecting people with things on the pretense that it's prevents disease you know when i looked into that took it back to jenner and in the UK, actually, in about 1796, which is where it started. And I couldn't find evidence of any prevention of disease. It changed the form sometimes, but a lot of diseases, um, the body trying to detox itself, throw off garbage, and then they use drugs to stop it, which makes them sicker. Um, so sometimes the form changed with the body getting upset with the poison that was coming in through the needle. But really preventing disease, I couldn't find it. And I, I think most of the doctors still, I mean, you have to respect the education they've gone through. It's like cult programming. And it, the fact that any have gotten through it, PhDs and doctors both, um, with common sense and coherent thought, that takes a really p- strong person. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's with the, with the COVID um jabs it's it's life experience that they will have witnessed what's happened you know, yes. as a result in terms of their their you know their hospitals and stuff because you have conversations like i have conversations all the time with people i tend to have a conversation like i will not necessarily orchestrate conversations but if people talk to me just in a you know a changing room at a swimming pool right, or whatever right um i kind of find myself just putting a, little, a, a few points out there and then just sort of saying it's weird isn't it it's weird, isn't it? And then I'll let them kind of then, oh, yeah, that is quite weird. Right. And then go away and think about it rather than preaching. But we were, I was, talking to, this, I was talking to this older fella and um, he was nice. He was commenting on my daughter. He was like, oh, my God, like my, my kids are like 30 and 39 now. But I remember these days, you know, yeah, like yeah. fighting to get clothes on your daughter when she's out the swimming pool. And, um, and then another friend of his came along and was like, um, oh, man, how are you feeling? He's like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, and I was thinking they're going to say, you know, I've had the run or whatever. And, and and all that sort of nonsense, and he was like, "Yeah, I um, yeah, I had um, I had uh, AstraZeneca. Um, it done me, 
done me for a month. Um, I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't do this. Couldn't do that. Absolute mess. And the guy was like, yeah, that, that, that did me as well. But luckily, um, the boosters are Pfizer. So it's different. And the guy was like, well, you say that I've, um, I had my booster last week and I've got to go in for an ECG, uh, tomorrow, um, because of like heart. Wow. And I'm, and I'm just stood there in the change room, like, and th- but this is a normal conversation now. And people wow. are like, yeah, it's bad, isn't it? And then like the next day I take my daughter to Kitty Gym, like a gymnastics class. And yeah. there was, there was a couple of mothers there masked up and they were having this conversation about which one did you have? Which one I had this one? Like it's like the latest pair of Air Jordans. And, um, and, and then there was like, how did you feel? It was like, yeah, I wasn't, yeah, I was all right to be fair. Um, but yeah. And then they were talking about someone else that was a little mess. And you're like, this is, this is just two experiences. And so how much is this everywhere? It's and, become become the main topic of conversation. Huh? Yeah. And it was and it was a conspiracy theory six months ago, ten right. ten months ago, when people were going, Do you know what? I don't think this is a good idea. But get him off social media, he's dangerous. And um, you know, I I, I said this the other day, this whole Joe Rogan thing, like, you know, certain countries like Denmark and Sweden, the UK, they're U turning because they've got new information apparently. And it's like but the new information was misinformation a year ago. Because right. what they're saying was stuff that people like us were saying a year ago, two years ago. Um, and we're getting banned and shadow banned and kicked off social media for saying, you know, it's, oh, it's new information. It's not. Yeah. It's always been there. You just, you just can't hide it anymore. Wasn't Joe Rogan in trouble um, for saying that ivermectin was actually a good thing to use? Yeah, he apparently took that and, you know, you can't say that. But his two interviews, the one with Peter McCulloch and the one with Robert Malone, um, are what they've got an issue with. So you've got an eminent cardiologist who I think is the most published cardiologist, uh, peer-reviewed cardiologist in the world. I think. Yeah, yeah, um, and, yeah. And so, so you know, qualified. He's not. He's not a dustbin man. He's pretty qualified. Right, and then, right. And then Robert Malone, who's obviously owns a bunch of the patents on mRNA technology. So again, yeah. you know, this guy invented it. It was part, at least, of, of his invention. And they're both saying the same thing. So. What what I found frustrating was then Rogan backed down a bit and came out and said, you know, I need to try and be more balanced. It's like, but Joe, you are the balance by yeah, having them yeah, on. Yeah. That's the point. Because like, the whole mainstream media, they won't touch these people. So we've got one narrative. So if you're going to be balanced, then what, but, but you are, do you know what I mean? You, you're well, what what, what was he doing to try to be balanced? Well, exactly. What, what, what do you do then? Apart, you've got a cardiologist on there who says, this is what's happening. And you have the inventor of the technology saying, this is what I think the technology can cause. And, and those are both guys that are examples of what we're saying, that they can't grasp that all the vaccines were a fraud from the beginning. No, they can't. They can't grasp that. No, no. Um, but what I found out recently in terms of um, certainly tech censorship is they have a, a flat blanket ban. Um, and all it is, is if you do something or say something that could cause vaccine hesitancy, that's yeah. it. It doesn't matter what you do. So right. then you think, so then you think, well, so if I go on there, you know, say I, I, I take the jab, imagine that I have it and you know, I get myocarditis, um, uh, you know, inf- heart inflammation, my, my skin uh, sores, all these kind of things that you see, I have a stroke and I'm there and I'm videoing myself. Like I am an absolute mess. Like I've lost everything. They'll delete that and ban me. And you're like, for what? Cause it's not misinformation because look at me it's 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 happening it's real yeah yeah but but because it will cause vaccine hesitancy obviously because i would look at someone in that position and go well no thanks um that, that's a, there's a psychology in that that's really interesting it's like it's what they use to get reagan in the u.s 
to give the vaccine companies uh, liability protection for if they injure or kill your family, they're not responsible. And what they apparently told Congress in the 80s is, you know, we all know that vaccines saved the world many times. I mean, you know that because there was a movie called Outbreak when Dustin Hoffman saved the world with a vaccine. And, you know, nobody questions that. And so in we have to protect vaccination no matter what. And we have this problem. They're talking to Congress. And the problem is people are dying from our vaccines and we're getting sued, which is really stressful. And we can't make money. And if we can't make money, we can't protect the world and save it with vaccines. So we need to be protected um, against any lawsuits for the people that we kill. And Congress said, that sounds exactly normal and reasonable. And they gave them a liability protection that's making it possible for what they're doing now. So you wonder, why would Congress do something so totally ridiculous? Is it because they were that dumb or because of the blackmail and bribes? And I don't know. Well, a a bit of both probably. Um, Also, you know, what interests do these people have? You know, I see a lot at the moment in terms of fact-checking. It's almost always Reuters fact-checking stuff. And it's like when it comes to vaccine, it's you've got, uh, you know, Reuters and Pfizer, you know, having the same people sat on the boards of both. Yeah. And that's, in a sane world, that's ridiculous. That's a conflict of interest that you, you know, otherwise we'd all be our own critics. You know, right now it's brilliant. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You'd be your own critic, but the reason you can't be is because you you have a vested interest in people not finding out. See, this is something I say to people. I I, I will because I don't tend to, to, like I say, bring stuff up to people and kind of be one of those preachers because I find it irritating and uh, when people do it to me, and I find that it turns people off a bit. Or oh yeah, come on, I I keep off on one again. Um, But I will make a point to people. So you say, like, you look at Pfizer, for instance, which is now overwhelmingly the main producer and distributor of vaccines yeah all the all the boosters in the uk are, are all pfizer um so you go okay so this is company is the most sued the most sued company in history it's paid out more damages than any other company in the history of business ever right so okay there's number one that's not it's not a great start right um and among the 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 lawsuits were bribing doctors were uh-huh. um falsifying safety data Right, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. While at, while at the same time trying to get um, the FDA to lock away the the vaccine safety trials data for seventy five years. Yeah, only for seventy five years. You're right. And you think these don't sound like the actions of someone that believes in their safety data? Because if it's me, I've done the safety data. Look how safe it is. What do you mean seventy five years? No, I have it now. Look at it. It's amazing. Go on, go and get one. Well, they, and they processed it almost overnight to give approval anyway. So, you know, it doesn't take very long to go through it. No. And I think that's what a lot of the, the um, you know, certainly in the UK, the coronavirus legislation, the emergency legislation that just keeps getting renewed, even though there's no, I mean, in my opinion, there was never a state of emergency, but there's certainly not one now. Like, right. you know, all the rules are lifted. Everyone's just going back to work. Everyone, no one has to wear a mask anywhere. There's no vaccine passports anymore in the UK. They've all been scrapped the whole lot. The mandates for NHS staff are all gone. Just everyone's back to normal. Fool your boots, mate. So, so there's no state of emergency, but because the coronavirus emergency legislation is still within time, 
So right. it's still, it's still, then they can still use these um, so-called vaccines because they've only got approval, emergency approval. So you take away the coronavirus emergency legislation. You can't put another jab in another arm because it's only got emergency approval and there is no state of emergency anymore. Right. Which is why they keep trying to keep this rolling on, rolling on, rolling on, new variants, testing more. I mean, we were like uh, lots of people that are pro-Europe tend to be absolute branch covidians it's bizarre and the link between the two but they started a trend on twitter of like plague island because there's so many cases they're not cases they're positive tests the test is nonsense and at this point britain was testing i think it was like 1.4 million people a day yeah which which was more than the entirety of europe combined and so then people go look there's more cases in the uk than there are in, in in any other country in europe and you're like well obviously Obviously, if you if you're doing more tests, if you're doing 1.4 million tests, yeah, even if you even if you believe the test is is accurate, which it isn't, but even if you believe it was, you would have to have a margin for error because everything has a margin for error. And right. that margin for error at 1.4 million tests will still be thousands of positive cases. Yeah, and and I think you know, uh, talking about what the experts and doctors can't get a lot of the time. Many of the really smart doctors, like, you know, high-level ones like you're talking about, they say, well, the test has a lot of false positives. They can't grasp, you know. The test isn't, it's like your dad says, not testing for the virus. It doesn't test for anything. And if you listen to Kerry Mollis, it's not a test. It's just a high-tech magnifying glass, you know, for lab procedures. Yeah. Exactly. If, pe- if people could get that, the whole thing would be over. It's also trying to get to across to people, you know, the situation with, with the, um, with the isolation and purification of this thing. Like it's not been done. That's and when really you, important. <laughs> so important. And if you can't show something exists after two years, you've got an issue. And I, you know, I, I kind of make that point to people, and then they'll go, "Oh no, no, I found one. Look, here it is. It's been isolated here. There's a paper on it." And you go, "Right, okay. I, I can tell you before you even show it to me exactly their method of of." Um, of isolation it's always the same and and what it is is you take uh, you've you've tested positive so i take a bit out of you right right so i stick that in a petri dish now i can't get enough of the virus out of you apparently i can't get the virus out of you which is very strange because you've just tested positive for it but as a result of that because i can't get you get enough of it i have to put some um uh vero kidney cells some monkey kidney cells have yeah. to in there Right. That really helps with purification. Really helps with purification. Um, and then what I do is then I uh, starve um, the cells um, of nutrients whilst putting in um, three uh, types of antibiotic, two of which are absolutely um, infamous for um, damaging your kidneys. Yeah. So so the Vero, oh, yeah, the kidney cells. Okay. So, right. And then when the kidney cells die off, that's a sign that actually, no, 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 kidney cells didn't die because you poisoned them and starved them. They died no. because your bit of virus was in there. And that's what it was. Exactly. And, and you're like, if you, if you looked at that and you go, okay, let's break this down then. Okay. So I'm in the basement now. I'm oh, sorry, I'm in the basement. I'm in the loft. Um, so, right. So, I, so I've been locked in here. Right? I can't get out. Now, uh-huh. someone's given me a laptop bag. So I've got this laptop bag and I've got yeah. it in a lap. Now, yeah. No one opens the door for a week. So I get no food and no water. And the only time they open the door is to come in and pump me full of drugs, toxic drugs, right? Yeah. And then then they come back in after a week and I'm dead. I'm lying here dead. And they go, told you, those laptop bags are killers, man. Exactly. It's it's insane. 
it, it is. Uh, it makes you want to know why would anybody ever believe that stuff, let alone all these really. I mean, the high what they call scientists now are people that believe this kind of stuff. They don't yeah. remember real science; they wouldn't even recognize it. No, people people have become completely separated from common sense. And this includes really high-level scientists. And many of them have a high IQ, they have high intelligence, and many of them are benevolent, and they really want to do good, and they don't see it. So there's something more to intelligence, maybe. How would you define it? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you can have educated idiots, you know, people with letters after their name and, and, and all sorts, and you have a conversation with them, and you're like, oh, God, the guy's a complete moron. And, and they have mental co- capabilities like quick calculations and remembering vast amounts of stuff they read, and they're what people would call very smart. But I also believe some people are are basically just software programs as well, you know, like almost like a non-player character in a video game. that uh-huh. They just they react in the way that the software has decided that they will act. Like well, they've kind of been turned into that by their education, though, partly, and the media, right? Yeah, they're, they're almost they're that. There's a separation from the soul, almost. They're, they used to be people. Uh, yeah, they used to be people, and they're not now. They're doctors, and they're scientists. And that's how they would refer to themselves uh, as well, yeah. because they, they become that. And Your first almost, name has to be doctor. Yeah, exactly. And, and I find that as well in terms of, you know, you find that sometimes with race um, and sexuality and gender and all this kind of stuff where, where people are something first as oh, opposed to themselves. Some kind of label. Yeah, some kind of label and this crazy tribal thing. And so that's, that, I think that's a lot of where the mess has come from is the tribal stuff. So, for instance, in the UK, if I see someone on social media giving it a big, you know, wear a mask, wear a damn mask, get vaccinated, blah, blah. I go, okay, right. I know your political persuasion. I know that instantly. I know that you voted to remain inside the EU. You were against Brexit. Um, I I know that you will be um, pro-social justice, um, climate change, BLM, all the kind of things that are massively hijacked um, and, and, and fronts for the establishment you will be pro all of those things. And then I just click on their, um, on their bio and you go, yep, there it is. There it is. Every single time. Sometimes you might get a pronoun. He, so what does that mean? What does that mean that you could predict all that? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. And so if you're anti all the, I mean, obviously, you know, there's always exceptions, but if you're anti-mandates, you're anti-mask mandates, you're anti-lockdown, nine times out of ten, you are the opposite to all of those things. So you probably would have right. voted for Brexit. You probably would have voted for Trump. You, um, yeah. you will be, um, you, you know, kind of a little bit more, mm, I'm not sure about climate change, a little bit more kind of, you know, um, uh, willing to ask questions about that sort of stuff. And yeah. that, that seems extraordinary to me because here in the UK, at least, they've compared it to the Blitz. This is the biggest, um, this is the biggest um, thing that we've had to fight against since the Second World War. This is, the big, this is a catastrophe. And, you, and, yeah. and it's almost like, could you imagine people in, in, in the East End of London in, in 1941-42 standing there going, I don't believe in bombs. Uh, you just wouldn't happen. Yeah. 
Right. The, the houses are collapsed all around you. What do you mean? Don't believe in bombs. Get in the air yeah. shower. Yeah. That wouldn't happen. Um, yet that is happening now. It's tribal. It's political. It's a virus that only seems to attack people that believe in it. Right. And it only attacks people within six feet of each other also in three yeah. directions. Oh, yeah. And you can't catch it if you eat a scotch egg. Apparently. Right. Right. Exactly. It's very strange. So we got people walking around in a trance. And, um, and as you said, if the significance of what you were explaining about isolating the virus, if that hasn't been, it's just, it's mind boggling. If that hasn't been done, as far as we know, it doesn't exist. So, I mean, we have to assume it doesn't exist right now because it hasn't been proved to exist. So in the very beginning, when people in certain localities were falling over and actually somewhere in the hospital unable to breathe and their lungs were working fine, but they couldn't get oxygen, what do you think was going on? I think lots and lots of different things were going on. Um, you hear that a lot, you know, come, well, what are people dying of? It's like people are dying of lots of things. Right. Hell of a lot. A hell of a lot of things. I do, you know, believe that there that there are, um, you know, with a lot of the, you know, electromagnetic stuff, there is there is something to that. I think, yeah. um, in terms of people struggling to to you know get oxygen, but then also at the same time, I look at it also in a way that if you feel un, say if I feel unwell now, I don't I feel a bit under the weather now. For me, I'll go downstairs, I'll get myself a cup of tea, and I'll sit down maybe with a blanket, and I'll be fine. Yeah, an early night i'll be fine tomorrow but if i believe in this deadly of deadlies then i'm going to go out there and i'm going to go and get myself a test and that test says i've got this deadly disease right? yeah so i don't feel very well i've got a deadly disease oh god oh god yeah panic stress you know stress is the biggest killer um, yeah true. So, so then i take myself off to hospital and you know to be fair once you're there if, if, they, if you get vented it's game over they stay they stick you on um, remdesivir um, and you're probably going to die of acute kidney failure, but it's going to say COVID on your death certificate because you had a positive test. It depends um, which is first, you know, the remdesivir death or the ventilator death. Well, exactly. Yeah. They're just competing with each other. Yeah. Um, or the midazolam death. Take your pick. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So the whole thing is whether people can break out of the trance or not, I guess. And it's the same thing with climate change. Right, yeah. which some people think that's going to be the next reason for lockdowns. I, I almost feel like people people don't want it to end. They kind of they they like a bit of chaos. They like yeah. a crisis. It's almost like you know, like I, I lived through the Second World War. You know, oh wow, man, wow, that must have been crazy. Yeah, rationing, yeah, bombs dropping. It was amazing. Oh my god, like to survive that. And then it's almost like you know, I, I lived through COVID. It's like yeah, so did most people. But it's it feels like people people almost need a crisis because it gives them identity. It gives them exactly to to fear is an addictive drug, isn't it? You know, yeah. People become addicted to stress and and to fear and to. I guess it's a negative chaos. form of giving meaning to your existence, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and it also, I find it kind of takes um, it takes away any need for um, for kind of 
I don't know, taking responsibility for yourself. You know, right. it's, it's, it's everything else. It's everything else that's the problem. We need to sort out climate change. That's that, you know, COVID is causing this, you know, and, and, and so no one wants to take responsibility and go, well, actually, why is your life the way that it is? Why don't you go and grab the world with, with both hands and do something with your life? You know, oh, no, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, because pandemic. Like you, you, right. you kind of, you've, you've, you feel that a lot. And especially also with the, with the vaccine, you know, I always think like, if I say, do you know what? I don't want it. I'm not having it. And, yeah. and, and so then, you know, six months down the line, I come down with COVID. It's real. I've made a big mistake. I'm lying there in hospital bed. The vax would have saved me. I was wrong. It's on me. It's my fault. I, I, I took responsibility for myself. I got it wrong. And here I am, you know, tell everyone right. I love them. But if I, but that's on me and I've got to take that responsibility and that's hard that's hard to take, you know, I cause this to myself. Jeez. Whereas on the other hand, if I go, do you know what? I will get it. And then I do get the jab and it, and it, and it kills me, uh, or it makes me ill. I'm lying there in hospital bed. That's Fauci's fault. That's Biden's fault. That's Matt Hancock's fault. That's Boris Johnson's fault. That's Pfizer's fault. It's not mine. It's not my right. fault. Right. The fact that I didn't do any research or have any critical thought. All of a sudden it's not my fault anymore. I, yeah. I blame it. I blame everyone else. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. And I did, I saw something that was very interesting, actually. It was a conversation on Twitter, and most conversations on Twitter aren't interesting at all. But someone asked the question to um, to a psychologist um, who, obviously, as a psychologist, was seeing through kind of what SAGE were doing and what these other psychologist groups from all other, other governments were doing in terms of, you know, manipulating their population and making their population fearful. Right, right. He could see through the tactics because it's what he does for a living. And so she was talking about that and someone just asked a question. It's like, can you explain why some people saw it instantly? So March, 2020, some people went, do you know what? This is nonsense. And they saw it immediately. Yeah. And then gradually, obviously a lot of people have woken up throughout the time, but there's still people now 18 months later, as it was at that point that just can't see it. Like, how have you seen it instantly? 18 months can't still see it. It still can't see it. It doesn't make any sense. And, and this guy was saying that from what him and some colleagues had looked at, that they, they, it wasn't definitive and all this sort of, you know, we need more, you know, studies and whatever, but uh-huh. they actually felt that there was a link between trauma. So whether it be an injury, like a physical trauma, uh, abuse, um, you know, losing a, a loved one or losing a wife, a child, whatever, you know, like a, a, a something bad. Yeah. Uh, there's a link between that and the people that saw it for what it was. Instantly. I mean, any time in your life, in your background that primed you for noticing what was going on. Uh, loads of them, loads of them. Um, you know, growing up as a kid and dealing with all the, the stuff that went with that, with, with my dad and, and the abuse and stuff like that, um, that you were getting off of people and the media and people laughing at you in the street and all that sort of stuff. That hardens right. you up. And you also then, it's no surprise mm. to you that people will do nasty things because it's like, yeah, yeah, of course they will. Where, and that's why I think this first group that's had this trauma is like, well, yeah, people do do horrible things. Yeah, they do. And so they can see that that is something, at least a possibility. Whereas right. there seems to be this other group where very much they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that because you're still almost looking through rose-tinted glasses. You, you still see everyone as wonderful. And unfortunately, they're not. Right. Um, so that was quite interesting as, as, a, as a conversation that actually, you know, that's not something I've really thought about, but maybe there is a link between. Could be. You know, because yeah, at least, you know, if you've been through bad times, you're more willing to take responsibility for yourself. You, you, you become very much sort of almost you against the world. 
Yeah, well, against or for, it just doesn't matter. You have to be true to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And at this at this point, the the people in positions of power in the government and big corporations and organizations, the UN and WHO and things like that, they're almost all of this really evil mentality. And if you get somebody yeah. getting good yes. into those positions, they have the meetings like you talked about to explain to them what they're allowed to do. Yeah, exactly. And it brings up the question, how do you change that? See, for me, I, I think the, um, the change, how to change it has been, the, the answer to that has been from the beginning, just non, non-compliance. So, I mean, protests yeah. are great. Don't get me wrong. You know, we get tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people on the street. That's great. But just don't do it. Just don't do it. So right. if, you, if you own a venue, don't, don't have vaccine passports in your venue. And so if one venue does that, okay, they'll, they'll be shut down. But if lots and then lots and lots and lots and lots do that, yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, you outnumber these people. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I believe we've opened up more here because the government realized that actually they're not going to go along with it. They're yeah. Not going along with yeah. It. Um, and so that could happen the world over. If people just went, you know what, I'm not doing it. March, 2020, we're shutting down your business. No, you're not. No, you're not shutting down my business. I need this business to feed my family. Go away. And if everyone had done that, yeah, yeah. that would have been it. But unfortunately, they built this massive fear amongst people. And by the time people realized that actually this wasn't this big deadly thing that we were told, they'd already given the government three weeks or three months. And by the time you'd given it to them, they believed it was theirs to take. And you were sort of all of a sudden starting on the back foot. And so it's kind of taken almost two years for, for the people to turn that around and, you know, to go from protests of 600 to 45,000 to 200,000 to half a million right. to, to I'm not doing it anymore to then, you know, I saw it as a microcosm, but I saw it in my local shop here, you know, masks, masks, masks. And then gradually you could just see people going, do you know what? Forget it. And I remember, because I've never worn one, I remember going in there once and guys sort of looked at me and you could see the eyes and you're thinking, okay, go on then. Yeah. This could be interesting. And he just went, Ugh. And yeah, you just needed to see someone wow, else. Wow, great! That's what it is. So it's just contagious, you know. This, um, but not literally. But um, but this, you know, that people can find this. Don't want to say courage because it's not courage. It's your face. It's your rules. But you know that the more that that happens, the more people do that, and then it evolves and it evolves and it evolves. And you know, I think just ignoring these world leaders because they they only lead if you follow. That's that's true. My that's attitude. true. It ruins no. the whole thing if you don't. No, and exactly. I think people forgot that it's not whether there's an emergency because you have your rights no matter what. And in a free country, if it really is, the government can make a suggestion, you know, you should hide in your bathroom for the next month, but they can't make you do it because you're, this is one thing that was good about the founders of, of America. They said, everybody has rights from God not from government. So government can't take away any of them. And if there is a real emergency, they just have to say, there's a real emergency. We're afraid you should give up all your rights. They can't make you do it. And a lot of people have forgotten that, just like the isolation, the virus and everything else in America too. They're saying a lot of these really good leaders who have good intention are saying, well, it's not really an emergency. They don't get, it doesn't matter because even if it was a real emergency, government can help you. They can't make you a prisoner. No, absolutely not. And, you know, the, the, the insanity of, of going from, 
you know, just a few years ago, the, the, the big Me Too movement, the my body, my choice, you have no right, a man has no right, as he absolutely doesn't, to, to you know, think that my body is his property, um, to all of a sudden um, those people on that side more that were sort of so-called left-leaning that were pushing the Me Too movement are yeah. not very much, no, 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 it is your body, our choice. And it's like, can you hear yourselves? Can you honestly hear yourselves? You know, for me, right, right. very simple. Even if, you know, even if this thing existed, you go, does the vaccine work? Does your vaccine work? And if the answer is no, why do I need it? And if the answer is yes, your vaccine does work. Why do I need it? It doesn't yeah. matter because you've got it. And so, you know, and, and I find as well, the people that you do see walking around with masks on it in the UK, they're all the triple jabbed ones. Yeah. 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 The logic is gone. It's gone. And they're basically saying if it, makes you sick or kills you it means it's working <laughs> yeah i've seen, I've seen things it. like that yeah it shows it's working if your leg falls off right, right. yeah but it would have been nice to have been aware of that before i went and got it you know i mean this is what's crazy for me um i've had eight surgeries in my life um yeah um because i'm always breaking things and you know, i had two eye surgeries as a, as a real youngster so i can't remember them i was you know, like a two-year-old so i can't remember them but right. everything else i remember i had two hip surgeries i had two groin surgeries and two shin surgeries when i broke my tip and fib it needed two surgeries yeah and and so but i remember sitting down and talking to the surgeon who would explain everything that could happen uh and these are like naught point naught 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 one percent chance of these right. things happening and he but he has to tell me he still has to that's informed he has, to, he has to tell me and then the anesthetist comes around just before and i'm right. really nervous obviously because anyone that says they're not nervous before surgery is lying yeah. um was like um right i need to talk you through what could happen here and they give you all these dreadful scenarios that are not point not 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 recurring one right. chance right. of happening but they have to tell you and so you end up getting wheeled in there absolutely like bricking it i mean I remember my, my, my last surgery, the, the lady was uh, an American um, anesthetist. And so I'm chatting to her and, and I'm like, you know, and she said, oh, I'm from Boston. I went, oh, um, she said, do you know America at all? And I said, oh, I'm a New York Rangers fan. She went, oh, I'm a Bruins fan. So I might, she made a joke about putting too much in. And I was thinking, yeah, yeah. normally I'm a fan of a joke. We don't say that. Like I'm nervous enough as it is, you know. Um, but she had to give me that informed consent. Of course they do. And yet when right. it comes to something like this, no, no, you don't need it. You don't need yeah. it. You know, and you see the inserts of these of these vaccine um, pamphlets when you unfurl them. There's nothing written there. I know, I know. There's it no makes it much simpler that way. You, you get less complaints if you don't say anything. Exactly, and 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 you know the doctors are getting an absolute fortune in England. I think it's twenty five pounds per jab, and an yeah. extra an extra ten pounds if it's a kid. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's that, amazing. I mean, they're just mass murdering people. Yeah. And I like you say, I, it was interesting you said about sacrifice earlier because there was one day, probably about three or four months ago, where it was all I was seeing was like these footballers were dropping like flies all over the world. People were dying. I was seeing so much stuff in my feed of stuff. Um, and I was just like, I can't get beyond now the idea that this is a ritual sacrifice. I honestly can't get beyond that now because I can't see how how it's anything but that because if this was a pack of biscuits if you released a pack of biscuits on the shelves and it killed five people those yeah. biscuits would be <laughs> taken off of every shelf of every store in the entire planet um you know yeah if, yeah of course you know, yeah but but this has killed you know nearly two thousand that they're repeat that they're reporting um, right yeah two thousand in england alone and you're like 
Could you imagine a pack of biscuits killing 2,000 people in one country and, and, and still being for sale, but not only being for sale, but you being told you're going to need to eat that pack of biscuits to keep your job? It's- in the U.S., they report about 1% of the deaths and injuries to this VAERS database. And even even if it was 100%, I don't know, it's near 20,000 killed at this point, I think. And, you know, they, they say that with the 9-11 inside job fake attacks, that that killed 3,000 and something. And they use that as a justification to, you know, go to war against all these countries in the Middle East. But this one's killed. You know, if it is 1%, there's like close to 2 million deaths at this point, just in the U.S., more in Europe and the UK. Yeah. And they're saying that's not a problem because it's totally safe and effective. Exactly. They just repeat the line, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. It, that's it's, medical it's, school. They learn that. Yeah. It's a, it's a cult. It is a cult. That, that. You, you sleep deprive the people, overload them with information, subject them to peer pressure in medical school and keep it going for years. And say, if you give the right answers on a test, you pass. You know, it's not whether you believe it, it's memorizing what's right. Real science is gone. And you've got the general population thinking, well, a doctor said this, it must be true. Yeah, I've, yep. I've had I've had very little faith in that um, for a long time. And I remember going into a doctor's surgery about 10 years ago, and I used to suffer occasionally with corneal ulcers, which if like left unchecked, they can be pretty brutal. So yeah. um, I went in and I was like, all right, I've got a flare up. I, I need, um, I think it was um, Maxidex or Maxitrol, like these eye drops, because you basically can't see it. You're in agony. And I don't like taking um, medication, and I generally don't. Like, yeah. if I've got a headache, I don't take a painkiller, I drink a glass of water. But right. I was, so, so I was like, kind of, uh, I, yeah. And, and this, this doctor was like, GP, some you know, nice big wage, was yeah. like, right, yeah. what do you need? And so he started looking in a book, and then he got up his thing, and I saw Google. I was like, you're having a laugh. You're having a laugh. Oh, yeah, Maxitrex. And then wrote me a prescription. It's like, which one of us is the doctor? Like, you've literally Googled that. Yeah, the computer tells you what to prescribe, and it gives you a categorization yeah, of what, what the illness is. You, yeah, no, the people yeah, just follow give, orders. Yeah, give me, give me, you know, eighty grand a year, eighty thousand pounds a year. I'll just sit there and Google what your symptoms are. Exactly. Write your prescription. It's an easy gig, isn't it? It is. So uh, we have a lot more to talk about, but I'm watching the time, and I don't want to take too much of yours. And I know you've got things to do. So to wrap it up for the moment about right now how do people watch it uh what's your plan for what's coming up on it and um anything else you'd like to leave people with so uh goes out on a friday night at 7 p.m uk on iconic.com okay which which is uh, a subscription-based platform but there is a, a seven-day trial running all the time so you can go in there and, and spend seven days watching um all the films and documentaries and, and series that are on there this God, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours worth of, of material on there. Um, okay. the, the first 20 minutes we put out on, on the socials for free every week. Um, and then we put out clips and stuff for free. So we're trying to get as much of right now out there as possible. And then what we do with right now is we do these short interviews. And then my friend Rich does something called right now deep dive, where he will take one of those guests and we'll spend an hour and a half talking to them. Okay. So can, you know, really, really expand it. So this week we've actually got Christine Massey, who is a Canadian activist who, um, she basically started off the freedom of information requests in terms of the isolation. So, 
um, and purification of the virus. So she um, wrote to people, healthcare uh, providers, healthcare trusts, uh, governments, public health um, authorities in, right. about th- in about 30 countries. And she, she got over 200 responses and every single one of them says, no, we don't have any of it. So, it's, it that's great. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking to her. We've, we've got um, um, Aurelio, um, Aurelian Rowe, who's um, a podcaster and activist in Romania, um, who's doing loads of really good stuff there. Um, and he's, he's talking about obviously growing up under the communist regime there and and how basically that is what is happening you know he he was saying like you know we look at the we look at trudeau and we're like this is what we had when in the 80s here under a communist regime the rhetoric is exactly the same yeah. it goes it goes yeah. into the to the psychology of that and and, and the, the the words the wording um of what they're doing um and then we've um we've got um nhs 100k who are the uh 100,000 um paramedics doctors nurses uh, healthcare professionals, midwives that all stood up and refused, refused the jab. Uh, so we, we've, um, we've got a, a paramedic coming on who's, who's, who's lovely, um, to talk about that and what they've been doing in terms of their activism. And, and now, because they've reversed the mandate against, um, NHS staff, all the care home staff have already been sacked because that mandate came through. Yeah. So they're now fighting to get these people their job back and, and stuff like that, which is great. Wow. Um, and then um, our, f- our final guest um, is we've, um, I'm trying to remember now. Oh yeah. 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 So we, we, we've got, um, Oh, what's his first name? I can, I'm, I'm struggling because it's a Dutch name. It's hard to pronounce, but he's a, he's a podcaster who's been, had everything deleted from Spotify. Um, uh, and so we kind of, we're talking about that and, and the fact that, you know, Spotify is almost being, put up as this bastion of free speech a bit because they've not got rid of Joe Rogan and it's like, well, hang on, they've been getting rid of people for a long, long time. So, yeah. So yeah, we're talking about that. So they're the four guests today. We often have four or five guests. So how do you find enough time to track down that number of guests all the time? That must be a big job. It was, it was tough at first because at first I was doing it all on my own. Um, and so I was writing, yeah. writing all the questions, researching all the guests and sourcing all the guests. And it was a real tough slog, um, yeah. to be fair. But now we've got a producer called Gemma Cooper, who actually was sacked by the BBC. She was the BBC for, for best part of 40 years. Perfect. She was the so best part of 30 years. So she was sacked for being anti-lockdown and coming to protests and stuff like that. So, um, she's joined us oh. as a producer, um, and she's great. And so because the show's grown a bit, we now end up having guests, come to us which is amazing so a lot of the time we still have to go out and try if i see something i'm like my god this story is amazing we need to right. find contact for that person right um, right but, but often now people will contact us and you know i saw right now this week you had so and so and so on um i've got a friend who actually blah 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 blah. yeah right, get, them, get them on yeah and so it kind of creates it itself really one that i've been trying to get to that i haven't yet that i'd really like to i've talked to the people under him is ricardo bossi do you know about him? No. He's the leader and probably the founder of a party in Australia called us Australia One. Really inspiring guy. He's got a military background and he's been uh, once or twice on Alex's show. Right. Um, where also right now is on Bandot Video too, right? That's the the free part. Yeah, the free 20 minutes is. So this week it's, it's Christine Massey. So we'll be talking yeah. about that. So, Isolation. So if we find a way to get to Ricardo Bossi, I think that'd be great. Maybe you can figure out how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between the two of us, I'm sure we'll find a way. Yeah, he's he's really inspiring person and very brave because the uh, 
ruling powers in government are not really very uh, appreciative to the ones that want to displace them. No, no, Australia's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy place. The yeah, they need help. Okay, well, thank you, guys. It's very inspiring, and I'm very grateful that you're out there doing this. This is incredible. No, thank so, you. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, we'll talk again before too long. Yeah. So, hold on. We'll say goodbye in the break here. So, there goes Gareth Ike, you guys, and um, he's doing incredible work. That's why one reason I wanted to have him back on. He's been doing iconic uh dot com for quite a while and he's got all kinds of clips from the free part of the show on garethike.com and then there's a seventh day seven day trial for the subscription on iconic.com and and we just checked and that's i c k o n i c dot com uh, sounds like a great show i haven't had time to really get into it yet but i know gareth does great work and some of the guests that he's talking about having on are incredible. So um, I would recommend it. I'm thinking of staying more in touch with it myself as time allows. And um, it's just really refreshing to talk to somebody that aware of what's going on. And uh, it's not just somebody that's related to David. I Gareth is doing incredible work on his own. So I really recommend taking a look at that and, uh, both of the websites, garethike.com and iconic.com. Um, also on band.video. Yeah, I wanted to remember that too. Uh, B-A-N-N-E-D dot video. Uh, there's um, iconic.com puts up the free part, the first, I think he said 15 or 20 minutes of, of the shows, which go an hour, are on band.video. So you can have a a lot of the material that way as well. And to stay in touch with us, uh, lostartsradio.com is the main website, and that's got links to all the different platforms that the shows are on, uh, lostartsradio.com slash live. And uh, it's got a donate button on lostartsradio.com if you want to help us stay on the air, and a subscribe star link. And if you share the links, it helps us uh, to get by the censorship And we really appreciate that very much. Bottom line is take care of yourself and work on your own. Get your physical health back. Stay as wide awake and conscious as you can. Question everything. That's real science. Uh, Question authority. Don't be a zombie. And remember that everybody else is in the same situation, walking around unaware that they're being a zombie asleep. And everybody's capable of waking up. And you don't have to run up to them and shake them and convince them of anything. You just have to do it yourself. And it spreads. So I think that's the main thing. Take care of yourself. And you'll be a massive positive influence on everybody else. So thanks for spending the time with us. I appreciate it. And look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, we all also have uh, Saturday shows the uh, current events show called Lost Arts Radio Live and Planetary Healing Club, which has its own page, planetaryhealingclub.com, getting into deeper aspects of all this stuff about waking up. Um, so that's about it. Have a good rest of the weekend and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Take it easy. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on subscribestar.com. 
Just go to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio to find our rewards program, offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. 
Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.